Hi, and welcome to the Soul Rising Podcast. I'm Dana. During your time here, you will step into your soul through enlightened conversations, meditations, and stories about healing. I started my own journey on this path long ago by earning a master's degree in counseling, becoming certified in regression and Reiki, and doing countless hours of work to raise my own vibration. It is my hope that you will see yourself reflected in me and in my guests and find self-awareness or a healing method that will propel you further on your own path. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves. We are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Join me every Tuesday to feel more in touch with the beautiful soul that you are. There's a beautiful quote from James Berry that I love, which says, Those who bring sunshine into the lives of others cannot keep it from themselves. When we encourage spirituality and creativity in our own children or with those we work with, it is impossible not to feel the reverberations ourselves. Not only that, but this quote accurately describes our guest today, Kayla Floyd, who is like a true ray of sunshine. She is a mother, an avid meditator, who writes feel-good books that empower and inspire. She has worked for nearly a decade as an intuitive energy coach and a meditation teacher and has spent thousands of hours in meditation. In 2017, she and her family were featured by Dr. Joe Dispenza in his documentary, Supernatural Mind, for their exceptional healing experience using meditation. Kayla brings a unique perspective on everyday mindfulness for real people. Kayla's three books include Wondrous You, Empowering Poems for Magical Kids, Wondrous You, The Coloring Book, and Joyful Mornings, Mindful Poems for Inviting Happy Days. In this episode, we discuss creating divine feminine containers in our lives that support creativity, discussion, awareness, and meditation with our children. Kayla offers tips on opening your creative flow and intuition, how to use her books to open dialogue with your kids, and ways to incorporate spiritual practices in everyday life. While a lot of the topics discussed today revolve around children, when we share these beautiful ways of being with anyone, we can't help but keep the sunshine from ourselves. Welcome, Kayla. Thank you so much for being here. Would you mind introducing yourself and just tell us about the work that you do? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So I am a mama, first and foremost. I think that that comes high on the list of the roles that I play. (laughs) Um, But I'm also a meditation teacher. I'm an author, an intuitive. Most of my work for the last 10 years has really been in the space of energy, helping people to manage their energy, to understand their energy. And then when I write, that's really the platform that I'm coming from. No matter what I'm writing, I'm really writing from this energetic perspective of how can we feel better in our lives. That's always my goal is to empower and inspire um, and just help people feel better. That's beautiful. I I can tell your message comes through in your book, Uh, multiple books. I haven't read your newest one yet, but tell me how you got into this space of feeling into energy. How did you open up to becoming a meditation teacher and bringing this lifestyle into your world? 
Yeah, it's so much in line with what you talk about often and that you teach and share in these conversations is that it was my own healing journey. You know, I think oftentimes we're seeking in our own personal lives and we have some big ahas or or maybe we have some big challenges and it leads us to share with others. Um, so I spent, well, most of my life, I mean, I've always been a seeker and very curious and a question asker, but I spent my 20s really in deep pursuit of energetic healing, of just feeling better in myself, you know, just enough, feeling worthy. And also um, asking life's big questions, you know, about what is this? Why are we here? What's going on? What is my body? Is there more to this than just this human experience? And so that pathway of self-inquiry really opened itself up to, you know, to, to creating a career out of it. Yeah, I, I really identify with your work, especially as a mom myself, because I think so many of us who are in kind of the spirituality space, we don't want our children to have the same upbringing that not only we had, but our parents and our parents' parents that goes back forever. I want it to be different for my children. I want them to have a different understanding of the world and of themselves and to teach them about their intuition. And so that's why I love your book so much because it really makes it simple for children and it's so beautiful. It's just so beautifully written. So what inspired you to create a book specifically for kids? Yeah. And you know what you were saying about how we do things differently based on past iterations of, you know, past generations in our own life. There's a a poem in the book (laughs) in Wondrous You about that called Contrast is Our Friend because we are always learning via contrast. We have an experience in our life or we see someone else that we love have an experience and it teaches us, I don't want to have that experience. I want to have this different experience. And so, you know, in that way, contrast really is a helper and a teacher. With Wondrous You, I did not set out to write a poetry book for children. Um, I, I did set out to write a book I knew that it was time. I I had wanted to be a published author my whole life and do a lot of writing. I've done a lot of ghost writing, article writing, blog writing, I've written millions and millions of words in my life. But there's something special about that moment of, of having your name in print in this way, or at least it was for me. And so that was the intention. Um, really, it was just time. I was I was called into this knowingness that it was time to make it happen. Um, I talk a lot about in my life, in family, in my brain, but also my work about the personal ability lives to make things happen, to empower ourselves. I don't so ma- say make things happen in a way of like force, but, you know, just really looking at yourself and asking like, where am I making excuses? You know, where am I allowing myself to be the victim? And, you know, we tell ourselves stories, we have beliefs that we tell ourselves, and I feel like they, you know, they limit what's possible for us. And so I just knew that it was time to finally write a book. And I actually did it via this class called the tiny book course. I am a class junkie. I'm, I love being a student. I was always top of my class growing up and really enjoyed the experience of being in school. Um, So I tend to sign up for a lot of classes, even in adulthood. And I found this wonderful class, these two wonderful women, Alexandra Franzen and Lindsay Smith, um, look them up if you've ever desired 
writing a book or being published, they're amazing birth doulas for your creative work. And so I actually sat down to write a parenting book. I felt like I had a lot to say about mindful parenting and about how we can give our kids a container and a space uh, to be themselves in a really productive and sweet way. And when I sat down to write the book, it felt really forced. And I realized that it wasn't what I actually wanted to say. I actually wanted, I didn't want to talk to the parents. I wanted to talk directly to the kids. And I didn't just want to talk to the kids. I wanted to talk to my kid. So Wondrous You just poured out of me in a matter of days. And it was this it was this stream of consciousness love letter to my own daughter that came out in the form of poetry. And it was the least, it, I, I least expected it, you know, this whole um, thing to turn out in this way. I set an intention of creating a book and I had no idea it would be a poetry book for children. <laughs> but I think that's when things are really spirit led, you know, when things, when you know that things are breathed through you um, is when you let go of the white knuckling. And, and I think that that's such a sweet balance in our lives of knowing how to hold an intention and to hold a desired goal, but being really flexible in the way that it comes about and allowing there to be some magic and some wonder in the creation process. Well, I have to say that I really admire you because I'm currently writing a book and it is very hard. And so to mm. just really open up and to just say, make me a vessel for whatever needs to come out in the world, that requires a lot of trust mm -hmm. and a lot of flow. So I think that's incredible that you were able to release all of your expectations because it sounds like you were doing basically the opposite of what ended up, or you thought you would do the opposite of what actually came through. I think yeah. that's Thank you. It's a very vulnerable process. Yeah. So I'm an earnest seeker. I'm a meditator. I've spent thousands of hours in meditation and, and to get to this point has required a lot of letting go. I mean, I really enjoyed school growing up. I was top of my class for, for most of my school years. And so I'm an achievement seeker. I'm very goal oriented. And so, you know, that's required a lot of peeling back a lot of, you know, I think for me, mindfulness, I'm attracted to it because I need it. <laughs> you know, When you look at people who teach something or who dedicated their life to something, especially something in the self-help arena, it's often because they need it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, so it's been quite a process to, to be in the space to allow creativity to flow like that and to, to love and believe in myself enough to, to believe in my work, to know that, that I'm worthy and that I have important things to say, that my voice matters, just like I teach in my book, and that whatever comes out of me or that whatever came out of me in that process was exactly what needed to come out of me. Yeah. Do you have any tips on tangible things that people can do? Not that necessarily everyone listening to this is wanting to write a book, but just ways to really step into that flow of your life and to be willing to trust maybe more than what feels natural or what, you know, we tend to want to do is not always listen so much. Do you have tips on listening to your intuition and being in the flow? I mean, 100% for me, it always comes back to meditation and to getting to know myself in that way. That was the, you know, the forum, that was the container. I love a good container. That was the container for me to go 
into myself. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around meditation that people think that it's very, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like on a pedestal. It's like monks in robes, you know, sitting for hours and hours on end. And, and I think that um, it's probably why a children's book came out of me because I feel like meditation and these principles in life are all kindergarten stuff. I think this is stuff that's, that's easy and bite-sized and, and things that, um, you know, that are, that don't have to be as complicated as we make them. So I think that, you know, that my tips are to, to spend time with yourself, whatever way that looks like. Um, take yourself seriously and lovingly the same way you would, you know, take someone that your children or someone you care about, the attention and the love that you give them and their ideas and their thoughts. Um, it, it can be five minutes in meditation. It doesn't have to be 30. It can be five minutes of journaling. I have seen, it's nice to be in the, in the, the position of hindsight. I think that that's one of the cool things that comes with age, or at least has come for me um, in this process, is it's really cool to be able to look back and see, oh my God, I've been, I've been at this for 20 years, and to see the real measurable steps. I think one of my biggest tips is just keep going. Oh my gosh, wherever you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter how small it feels, keep going. That five minutes of meditation matters. That one nice thing that you say to yourself matters. I was just doing a talk um, with some students at Georgia State University, and I was telling them about how, you know, every thought that we have in a day that they say we have between, I don't know, anywhere between 30 and 80,000 thoughts, tens of thousands, let's say, right? But every thought that you have in a day creates this sort of symphony, this soundtrack, right? And so what is your soundtrack that's playing in the background of your life? And if every single negative thought is kind of a, like a cacophonous note, and every single loving and encouraging thought is a melodious note, if someone was to listen to that entire soundtrack from the day, you know, would it be more melody and harmony or would it be more discordance? Um, and so so I think every time we can just shift one little thought, just invite one loving note. Um, and that's really how I see and feel energy is I'm not musical, but I see it in music. I hear it in music. I hear it's probably why I write poetry because I, I hear things in flow. Um, but just every little thing that we can do to give ourselves permission to be more ourselves and to love ourselves, um, it matters. It counts every little thing. It does. I, I couldn't agree with that message more. And especially because there probably are quite a few parents listening to this episode. And I just think that, especially when you're in the thick of having young children, doing anything for yourself for five minutes is so important. And if, and if you can choose meditation just for five minutes before you fall into your bed, exhausted at night, it will add up and it will make a difference. I can attest to that in my own life as well. And then the days that you get to maybe have 30 minutes to meditate, wonderful, but just doing anything that you can to support yourself is it's, it's like eating, you know, a vegetable. It's like having some broccoli. If you only have one piece of broccoli, that's still better than none. Right. It's, it's like, the absolutely. Same. <laughs> absolutely. And I always tell my clients, you know, it just takes two breaths to drop in. It just takes two simple breaths to connect to oneness, to connect to spirit, God, whatever name you put on this energy, right, that breathes us all. It just takes that one breath to tell yourself, I am here. 
right? I'm here in body. And then that second breath to say, I am present, right? I'm, in, I'm present in awareness. Two breaths. I take those two breaths all the time at a stoplight, you know, in line at the grocery store, in the middle of, you know, a tense tantrum or something, right? I take those two breaths. I connect to my feet. I feel my feet, right? It's important to ground in body and then to ground in presence, consciousness, awareness. So that first breath is just to come back into your body because sometimes we just, we, we leave our bodies because it's too much, right? Over sensory. So we just feel our feet, take a breath, come back into the body, say, I am here, right? And then we feel into the heart space, take a breath, feel that consciousness, that life that flows through us. And we say, I am present. Bam. Do that every day. Take two breaths, two conscious breaths every day, and you will feel the difference in your life. You will feel the difference in your connection to self. And that's what's most important. We're just all supposed to be here being ourselves. I mean, there's a reason that there are no two people on the planet who are alike, even twins. I have two beautiful twin nieces, and they are as different as the day is long, right? Identical. But there's a reason that we are all so different. We're supposed to be expressing our unique frequency. We're supposed to be being ourselves, right? And so take those two breaths, come back into the resonance of your own yummy frequency, and your life will change. I mean, not to be cliched, but it will change. Oh, it will. Yeah, it absolutely will. So you sort of mentioned this, but I'm curious... It, what you think the purpose is of your books coming through as poetry. I know you said that you connect to spirit in that way, but looking back now that you've written several poetry books, why do you think that that is the modality that spirit has for you? Mm, I love that question <laughs> because I've asked it a lot too. <laughs> you know, when something so unexpected happens in your life, you're like, okay, all right, this is interesting. Didn't see that coming, but cool. I love the unknown. I love a plot twist. Um, you know, I, I do hear words. It, it is very lyrical for me. There's always a beat to the things I express. You know, with the poetry, it keeps me out of my head. So here's what happened when I was writing the parenting book, the parenting book version of Wondrous Shoe, which was real boring, you guys. <laughs> when I was writing the parenting book version, it was all from my head, right? It was all from the brain space. And then what happened when I shifted into writing the poetry and well, I didn't shift it. I can't even describe how that just came out of me. It was truly like channeling. I, it, it shifted into the heart space. And one of the things I can say about these, these beautiful teachers who guided me through this experience, Alexandra and Lindsay, is that Alexandra has a saying called your hut, your heart plus your gut. And so she was always shifting us back into our hut. What does your hut say? Um, and so I think that the poetry comes out of me because it keeps me in my heart space because it's very feeling. I was one of those super sensitive kids. And so I was always being told like, you're too emotional. Stop crying, Kayla. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And so I think that the poetry, it, it, it requires emotion. And so it allows me to truly express. I also think that it keeps things for me, very pure and very simple. And I believe in, in energy, the power of words, the energy of words. And so when the words are delivered in this rhythmic way that feels like, like waves of energy, right? It speaks to some deeper place within us. 
it, it speaks to some very primal connection to the unseen. Gosh, I so agree with that. As a teenager, all I did was write poetry. I was so angsty. Really? Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh, that's so awesome. I have notebook after notebook after notebook filled with all of my poetry. And I think it was the way that I just processed, you know, that time in your life when you feel it's like those wonder years, you know, mm-hmm. when you're trying to figure it out. So it's just interesting because I think it's a wonderful way to process emotion too, to not just read poetry, but to also write it for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's beautiful that it came to you that way, because I think it's the language of spirit is also in symbols and it's very uh, simple and clear. It's not, you know, all this fluff that we try to put in it. So that just really resonated with me when you, mm. when you said that it, like, it wasn't your plan, but it just came through. I, I just think that that's the way spirit speaks to a lot of us. So mm-hmm. publish your poetry, girl, put that in a book and share it with the world. <laughs> it's pretty uh, teen angsty. <laughs> Isn't that interesting though? You can, I think that the great thing about words and, and poetry too, is there, it's such a portal because yeah. you can step into that, that portal and be taken right back to that time. I was reading an article I wrote for Elephant Journal in 2016. Oh, yeah. I, I did, I don't know, a stint of maybe 10 articles for them and they're still up. And so I went and, and read one the other day. And, and at that time, I think my daughter was three, three or four. And so I was so squarely in that toddler kind of like high emotion phase. And I was reading an article about parenting that I had written and I could step right back into all those memories and all those moments that I had not been able to access a minute before I read that article. And so I think that's also why it's so important to share of ourselves in whatever way our art is. It's not just writing, but you know, whatever way you feel most creatively expressed, because I I feel like it's creating these little wormholes, these time portals, right? That, that each of us can step into and feel seen and feel heard and feel validated and, and feel that sense of connection. Because even though, right, like I know this example of your poetry, (laughs) your journal, your personal teen angst, right? (laughs) Even though now from the standpoint of a mom who is so disconnected from that time of life, I guarantee you there's a hundred thousand teenagers out there who'd be like, oh my God, she gets it. (laughs) You know what? I had never, ever, ever considered publishing it, but (laughs) you're making me think about it. Girl, I'm like, this is 2020, I know has was a rough year for a lot of people in a lot of different ways, but it will always be dear in my heart because it will always be the year that I published my first book and the year that things really, that belief really shifted for me around what was possible. And I think it's so important to get our voice out in the world. Our voices matter. Our stories matter. We connect through story. We connect in that way with one another and we feel buoyed, you know, through, through that sense of, of being seen by others going through similar experience. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to put it. It's been a difficult year, but it's been a transformational year. I mean, no one can deny that. I don't think. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And that's, I mean, you think about all of the imagery, my daughter and I, my eight-year-old daughter and I were just having this conversation the other night because she had something really challenging happen for her this year. And I was telling her that it's an initiation. And I was telling her about how important initiation is in this life that we're living. And I told her about, you know, her birth, which we've talked about a lot that I had a, like a natural birth with a midwife without 
without drugs. And um, that was the choice I made. I think any baby on the outside of a mama is a great choice. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not advocating for one thing or another, but I'm saying I made that choice for myself and it was so hard. It was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, I came out of that experience and looked at my older sister and said, the business of being born was bullshit. It's all a lie. It's a lie. Don't ever do this. But anyways, I digress. I was talking to my daughter about initiations and I was sharing about the birth experience for me. And that oftentimes when we go from one, um, you know, like from maiden to motherhood, when we go from you know, teenage to adulthood, whatever, when we go through some cycle and we're crossing a bridge, we're walking through a door, there's an initiation. And so I was talking to her about how she was put through an initiation this year and that it, it can take a long time and it can be very, very painful, but inevitably, you know, all of these metaphors, right? The butterfly, the phoenix, all of these things that, that transform and change. And I think that that's what this pressure cooker of a year did for all of us us is that in, in one way or another, um, you know, we were all initiated into, into whatever we were supposed to see, you know, because it's different for everyone. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just thinking about initiations. I read a book called Anna, the grandmother of Jesus. Have you, are you familiar Mm, with that book? I'm not. It's an entirely channeled book. So this woman channeled Anna, the grandmother of Jesus and she lived for like 400 some years or something like she she did all these things to keep herself alive and so she was able to see Jesus go through all these initiations he went to Egypt and he had to go through like each temple that he went to had a different initiation in it and mm. um he had to pass all of that to be able to move into the space that he um needed to be in and even the end of his life was an initiation so I just, I love that you use that example with our children because sometimes I think they think that this is like all that there is, you know, they can't understand that this is like a stepping stone to the next thing. They don't have that frontal lobe development to understand that the future is coming and things will change. (laughs) So I love the word initiation because it just sounds inherently like there's something coming. It's an initiation Mm -hmm. to something else. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very purposeful word. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, in that the conversation we were having earlier about how we do things in contrast to our own childhood, I remember all the stories inside my head as a kid and the things that weren't explained to me. And this isn't in a blaming way; like I'm no. not saying they should have explained this to me. I'm just saying that I noticed that gap, and I remember spending a lot of time inside my head trying to make sense of things. And so, you know, that's just one of my big areas of focus as a parent is that I try to keep the lines of communication really open with my daughter so that she knows that she doesn't have to sit there in her brain and stew about things in that way and create worst case scenarios because that's what we, you know, we're wired in our brains to create worst case scenarios mm-hmm. that she has that, that opening to talk about things because I think that that communication is the bridge to understanding and that, you know, safe communication, right, is just having that container, <laughs> having that container in that space. We do girl talk every night before bed. It's, it, I don't know, it started when she was four or something like that. She's, she's a thinker. She's a processor. And so she needs time. She's not one of those kids that when you get home from school, she'll just tell you everything. She kind of needs a few hours to assimilate. And then every night at bedtime, we lay in the dark, which I think is also an ingredient for her that feels especially safe because it's just hearing the words versus having to see as well. But 
we lay in the dark every night before bed and we have, we call it five minutes of girl talk, but it's never five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, she gets to process through whatever. And sometimes it's light and fun and sometimes it's really heavy. And then every night before bed, I tell her the same affirmations and we have this ritual and this routine of, of really deep sacred sharing of, of that. She knows that container is there. You know, I'll notice something's off with her during the day. And she's like, oh, let's just wait till girl talk. I'll tell you a girl talk. And it makes me chuckle, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful that she knows because that was the intention in that, you know. It's beautiful that you have that built into your schedule so that she does know if something comes up. It's not like this panic, like I need to talk to mom about it right now. She can maybe handle it herself, think through it. And she knows that she has this built-in time in her day to discuss it with you. Yeah. I, you know, I keep using this word and it's, I'm laughing at myself, but I, I believe in containers. I believe we, you know, when we create containers, we fill them. (laughs) So, you know, when we, when we create a space for something, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like clearing out the closet, cleaning out drawers. I, I love to create space because when we create space in our hearts or in our homes, then the things that we really want can come in and fill them. And so that's what that girl talk time is. It's a, it's a container. You know, I do the same thing for myself in other ways, right? Creating the containers. And then it's just like with Wondrous You, right? Created that container of, I want to write a book. I want some support when I do it. I took that class, had community, and then the container was filled in a far more joyful way than I ever could have imagined. That's such a nice divine feminine principle too, just the visualization of a container and to um, create space, Mm -hmm. a beautiful way to tap also into that flow that we talked about earlier of, and trusting is have yes. a container, right? Yes. Be the egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that a book or I don't know. I remember I had a friend who was, who was teaching on that. She's a coach and, and she was teaching on that for a while. You know, the difference between like the, the forward, the, you know, being the sperm versus the egg, like be the egg. The egg actually does far more than we realize as far as like allowing the right one in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just, and also the womb space, um, Mm -hmm. being a vessel for the ultimate creation, the creation of life, all things are created in a container. So yeah, girl power, girl power. (laughs) That's right. Teach it to the boys too, because they need to know it as well. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How do you use your book with your daughter? Other than just reading it, are there activities or is there kind of rituals that you've built around it? Yeah. On my website, which is my name, just kaylafloyd.com, at the top there's a button that says free. And there's a video on my website of some breathing techniques, five breathing techniques for kids. Um, I started doing those with my daughter very young, again, like she was four. I mean, it's never too late, but just saying in our household, um, we started doing those around three, four years old. And so she tells me to breathe now, you know, she's like, mom, like before your talk today, like do your balloon breath, you know, or whatever. And so we, um, we do a lot of breathing in this house. (laughs) I also use my book in a very prescriptive way in that like here's an example when we were doing the the homeschooling back in April, like when it was all still very fresh and the wounds were very, you know, deep of like, oh my God, is this really happening? When we were all still in shock and trauma about what was going on in the world, we were having a rough time with the remote learning. And and my daughter was 
she was being pretty feisty, you know, she was being stubborn and she was being herself. So it was a beautiful thing. But in the time as a parent, it was tough. Right. And she was just making things really complicated that didn't need to be complicated. But oftentimes I feel like our kids don't necessarily want to listen to us. And so they want to hear, you know, the, you can say the same thing and the teacher says it and suddenly it's magic, you know? And so I tell her to go get my book. I don't know why this Jedi mind trick, but it works. So I told her, I said, Chloe, I want you to go get Wondrous You. And so she walked over and she got it in a huff, you know, and I said, I want you to turn to the page that says, let it be easy. And so we sat and she, I had her read me that poem. I said, read me that poem. And so she read it and I asked her, I said, you know, do you think that, that you're letting this be easy or you're letting this be hard? And she's like, I'm letting it be hard. And, you know, <laughs> so it was really sweet. And she was able to pivot, you know, really quickly and become, come into awareness. But we use the poems like that very much. And I have a girlfriend as well who shared with me that her daughter was, saying unkind words to her father, you know, that to, to the woman's husband. And, and so she, she had her go get the book. <laughs> I don't want kids to associate like punitive energy with the book, but it was in a loving way. You know, she had her, her, had her daughter go get the book and say, Hey, read this, this poem words have power. And so the little girl read it and her eyes got so big. And so, and she understood, right. And, and her mom asked her, she said, are you, you know, are you using words that would that would build worlds or would tear them down, right? Are you using words that are kind and necessary? And so there's this aspect of, of using it in that way, almost like in this prescriptive way of like having an acute immediate issue and seeking because they're short and they're rhythmic and, and they're very, you know, to the point in that way. But that's how we use it in our household. <laughs> and then it's that. almost like it's not, not me actually saying it. It's whoever, the, you know, the person is that must be very smart because their words are in print. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I totally, totally agree with that. And I had the same struggle with my son during the remote learning. Oh my gosh. It is such a, oh, it's so difficult, but <laughs> that's a wonderful way to use it, to act like yeah. it's, I mean, well, for you, they are your words, but for me, they are someone else's words. So it makes it nice and easy. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, I think we just, we focus on, in our house, we just, we focus on creating mindful moments. I'm just really big on the bite-sized. I feel like just little bits, you know, make up uh, large portions. One of our favorite dinners is the snack plate. You know, we just put a few almonds, a few strawberries, a few grapes, a few this, a few that. And before you know it, you have this giant meal. And so we're, we, we focus a lot on the little bits in our house, just little, take a breath here, you know, have a mindful moment here, ask a really good question there. The question I probably ask most as a parent in tough moments is, is that loving? Like, you know, she'll say something or reacting in a way that doesn't feel good. I said, do you think that's loving? Do you think that I feel loved right now? Do you think that's a loving way to respond? You know, if I was responding that way, would you feel like, oh, my mom loves me so much? You know, she's like, no. <laughs> but it allows for their reflection too, to, to just ask them a question instead of saying, you're not blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah. Like give it to them, allow them to come up to, with their own conclusion kind of a thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And whoever invented the filling the bucket thing, God bless that person. I love, I love that concept, you know, because we, we use that a lot too. Like, do you think that filled my bucket or do you think that that emptied my bucket? Like, I emptied your bucket. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
the breath work. I love the breath work too. We use that in our house so much. And my four-year-old daughter, she loves to like dole out the advice to take a breath, but doesn't want to receive it. <laughs> like when her older brother is having a meltdown, she'll be like, now just take a breath, just take a deep breath. And then when it's her tantrum turn, she's like, I don't want to breathe. <laughs> don't I ask know. me to do that. <laughs> I know, right? It's so hard. Right. Four is such a fun time too. It's, it's so emotion fueled, but mm-hmm. um, some of the things I know, like we used to do when we were four was, or when we were four, I felt like I was four too. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> like we, we played, that was an age re- where I really turned Chloe on to, to crystals and Oracle cards and yes. seeking her own answer, you know, asking her body first, asking her heart first before seeking um, guidance outside of herself. You know, we would play doctor with crystals like, Ooh, I'm having an ache. Like, okay, what crystal do you think we need? And what energy can we put on it? And I mean, my kid is eight and she's like a pretty, pretty legit Reiki master. Like she gives Reiki to me. And, and I had this huge anxiety ball in my stomach the other night. We were laying down during girl talk and I was like, gosh, Chloe, I'm sorry. I'm just feeling really anxious and I, I can't really identify why. And she's like, oh my gosh, you need me to give you some Reiki? And I was like, yeah, do you yes. think you could? <laughs> and then it was gone. I mean, it's, it's magic. It's so straightforward with kids. They don't complicate things in the same way we do, which is, you know, why all these principles in the book I say are kindergarten stuff because it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, it's very simple straightforward, not always easy, but very simple. I agree. And I think a lot of it is just exposure. I do the same thing with my daughter. We'll even just sort my crystals by color, you know, and she just has fun putting all the purple ones over here, all the clear ones over here, whatever. And it's just the exposure to it. And we also treat the cards almost like a memory game, even though there's not, you know, matches, we just flip them over and it's like, Ooh, you got the whatever card. And then, I mean, we just do that with all 48 of them until they're all gone. (laughs) It takes us an hour, but exposure to it, that's all. And it's those bite-sized pieces like you were talking about that those bite-sized pieces really add up to something huge down the line. Um, I just really agree with that philosophy and that mindset. And just empowering them to have their own thought. I think when I was first exposed to Oracle cards, I, I mean, it was in my twenties, late twenties. It wasn't. And so um, just that, that idea I know was really hard for me to wrap my mind around that. It's whatever you interpret in the card. I just wanted to go to the book. I'm like, no, sure. but let's just really see what the book says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love the sense of empowerment. Um, obviously I'm in a far different place with Oracle mm-hmm. cards than I was 15 years ago, but I, I love that sense of empowerment around, well, you look at it, what does it mean to you? You know, and that sense of using, flexing that intuitive muscle. Yes, absolutely. I don't mind going by the book and reading it, but then I like to. Oh, I love the book, girl. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do both though. You can't just totally rely on what the book says. Yeah. And likewise, the book might also jog something in your mind that you, um, that you, that just didn't come to you on your own. So yeah, yeah, I I think it's both. (laughs) I had a mystic. I, you know, as someone who is an intuitive and has given readings and done energy work with people for many, many years, I also seek it often. And so I've had incredible experiences with mystics and intuitives and psychics all over the world. And I had a series, I noticed things in threes for me. And so I had a series of mystics all in a row tell me, 
in regards to my own work that, you know, you'll use the cards for a time, but you will, you won't use them forever. Like eventually you'll be doing your work and, and the messages will just channel through you. And I remember thinking, oh, heck no. Like that's, who are they talking about? They're not talking about me. They are crazy. And sure enough, within, I think it was within six months of having each of those readings, like, and maybe I had them a couple months apart, you know, they were all within the span of a year within six months or so I wasn't using the cards anymore. I use the cards now for delight and just for joy and fun, but it really has shifted into a space of, of just using my own vessel. And I think that that's when, when things shifted for me personally, and I adore Oracle cards still, but I think that there's such a good lesson in that of, of, of shifting into the empowerment of understanding the frequencies, the channels, you know, in your own vessel that we're all given this tool and how, how sensitive, how attuned are we to the messages that it's giving us? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many ways to help kind of dive into our own intuition and Oracle cards are just one of those many ways to just kind of, it's a tipping point. It's a, it's a tool in your toolbox, that kind of thing. Yes, totally. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I do want to draw an Oracle card for you and I have them ready. But before we do that, would you mind reading just one of your poems from Wondrous You? Would you mind doing that? Do you have your copy with you? I do. Great. So I will read You Are Energy. All this talk about about energy. And these are the ways that I talk to my daughter about who she is and what this life is all about. So this is You Are Energy from Wondrous You. You are a spark of pure love and light, an energetic boom that lit up the night. Deep in the dark, your magic grew, and out came a miracle, Wondrous You. The energy inside is who you are, an effortless stream, a bright shining star. Your power isn't something you have to earn, but managing its flow is what you must learn. Spend time in quiet, sensing your vibration. Open your heart, begin a conversation. Deep in your gut, you'll feel the hum. You'll hear the beat of your very own drum. Find this rhythm as often as you can. Tap into the energy you have at hand. Spread outside of the physical you and ask to see what's real and true. Into the dark, you'll take a ride and find the truth about what's inside. You'll be taken back to that first little spark, right to the center of who you really are. Remember this trick for all of your days when the world seems dark and it's all a haze. Close your eyes and feel the buzz. It's the you who always is and always was. That gives me chills. And I know that this is a book for children, but I think that that's a message for anyone in any Mm. stage of life beautiful. It's such a nice reminder. And that as you read that to your own children, that you'll hear that and you'll 
be reminded yourself as well. Mm -hmm. We're all just kiddos on the inside Mm -hmm. trying to heal as well. It's kind of a Jedi mind trick that it's a children's book, you know, because (laughs) it's really for the parents, right? (laughs) Because uh, healthy, empowered parents, parents, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You did do that after all. Thank you so much for reading that. It's so nice to hear it in your voice. It's beautiful, the inflection that you put in it. Thank you. And actually on my website as well, on that same um, kaylafloyd.com backslash free, on that same free page, um, I post videos of me reading the poems. That's perfect. Love that. All right. Let's draw a card since we were talking about that so much. I have the Enchanted Map by Colette Baron-Reed. And this is one of my older decks. One of my favorites. Okay, we have card number 26, Deep Freeze. The description says, the cold winter beckons you to slow down and put a freeze on things that are not yet ready to bloom. It's time for regeneration and hibernation. Forego ambitious activity. A pregnant pause allows ideas to gestate, projects to shift and change, and relationships to go through a dreamy state of being not going anywhere and not needing to. This is also a time to put all of your arguments on ice. Nothing beneficial will come from any of them. Self-care is the most important activity now. So reflect, read a good book, (laughs) or get a massage, rest and dream. Mm, Love that. (laughs) So funny, read a good book when we're talking about (laughs) By the time this comes out, winter will have already passed, but that doesn't mean that you can't bring in the energy of winter anytime that you need it, that time to go within and find stillness. And I think that that is so much what meditation is about as well. It's that energy of winter, of going within. There's nothing that you need to do right now to just be and to be still and at peace with your life and just allow whatever needs to happen to happen. So I love the energy of winter. I hate it as a season. I don't like being cold, but... (laughs) enjoy the energy of it. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the permission to rest and the permission, mm-hmm. we have it so backwards, you know, in our, mm-hmm. our country because we're so like frenzied at Christmas time and all the shopping and the, the stuff and the this and the that. But um, it is such a sweet time to just get still and, and to, to gestate. Like it said, I love that pregnant pause, you know, all of this, um, all of this imagery with pregnancy and all these things that we've been talking about containers and the feminine and that pregnant pause. And I definitely felt like that with publishing my book this year. I felt like, you know, I just needed to hold the baby. Like I, I had finally birthed this thing that I thought about my whole life and that how important it was to sit with it and just hold the baby. And actually when I wrote joyful mornings, when I wrote the, the next book, I felt a little bit like, like I was having postpartum depression. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, did I really like, you know, there was, there was shades of that. Wow. Did I hold the first baby long enough? Did that, you know, so I anyways, I love that with the pregnant pause. Yeah. Tell us about all three of your books while you bring that up. Tell us about yeah. Joyful Mornings and the coloring book and just tell us. Yes. About yeah. So Wondrous You came first and that's empowering poems for magical kids or for the kid in us all. Um, and it's, 12 poems, beautifully, colorfully illustrated. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a guide. It's universal truths 
for empowering our lives. And it's a great conversation starter. I talk about that in the forward in the intro about um, using it to start conversations with your kiddos and to sit with your own inner child. Um, the coloring book came next and it is an exact replica of Wondrous You. It's the same poetry. It's the same images, but it's all in black and white for coloring and it's printed on single sided pages. So you can use markers and all of that. So just from a logistics standpoint, it, it looks a little bit different in that regard. But um, I just wanted kids and adults, people, humans, souls, to be able to interact with the material. I wanted to, to just, mm, I just felt yummy. Just felt like I wanted someone to be able to color that image that says your voice matters and put the colors of their own heart on that image. And then my third book is Joyful Mornings. And it is Again, poetry, it's mindful poems for inviting happy days, and it's a delightful little pocket guide. I wanted this book to be truly tiny, so it's, it's a tiny book. It's four by six, and it walks you through your morning. Each poem has a one-word title like breathe, thank, intend, enliven, bask, savor, dance, laugh. And there are these just lovely little poems about very practical things you can do in the morning, like practical exercises. And at the same time, there's this very lyrical quality to it. And again, it was illustrated by a, a beautiful artist. Her name's Emily Wallen, and it is just the sweetest little book, but it is, it's, it's for all ages and it's family focused mindfulness. That's what I do. I write I write books that empower, that inspire, and I, I write books for families around mindfulness. Well, it's beautiful. I love the message that you're putting out to the world. I love the work that you're doing. I support it wholeheartedly. I'll be getting joyful mornings and reading it with my kids and my family. I love it. So thank you so much for being here. Where can everyone find you if they are interested in learning more about your books and about you? Yeah. So the best place is on my website, Kayla Floyd. Dot com. You can find links to purchase all my books. And like I said, you can find videos of me reading the poems from Wondrous You. I'm sure I'll post more of Joyful Mornings soon as it comes out into the world. Um, there's also links for some meditations I've recorded in the footer, kind of the past iteration of, of some of my work. And so some easy, quick meditations there as well. Um, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and that sort of thing. But I think the best place to find me is really my website, kaylafloyd.com. And you can, that will take you anywhere you want to go in the world of Kayla. <laughs> Perfect. I'll put a link to your website and to your social media in the show notes below so that anyone can find it. And so thank you again, just so much for being here, Kayla. I love your energy. I love what you're bringing to the world. Like I I said I just support it wholeheartedly. So. Oh, thank, thank you. So this was so nourishing. You have such a gift. Thank you. And this was just so wonderful. I appreciate it. So much good energy flowing. I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at thesoulrisingpodcast.com or at the underscore soul rising podcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.